You are Locked On Wild, your Minnesota Wild, every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Joe Booley of ZoneCoverage.com, and with me is Tony Abbott of The Athletic Minnesota. Tony, how are you doing today? All right, Joe, do you know how like certain commodities are just like in demand and have been completely looted from your local grocery stores? And, you know, whenever you try to find certain items, you can't because it's been uh, completely cleaned out everywhere. Um, I have had a vital, valuable restocking of an essential quarantine item today, and that is sweatpants. There you go. I had one pair of sweatpants that uh, that I can't even find right now. Uh, so and, and have been like dirty for like a month now. So like you can't wear them. So I have acquired a uh, I have acquired a parcel with sweatpants in them. And you know what? I gotta say, Joe, I'm back in business because like it is right. it is really like the essential stay at home garment. It really is, and I've never really been like a a sweatpants person. I've, I actually am super comfy just lounging around in jeans, but there is a, a an extra level of comfort when you are in a, uh, a, a sweat pant. See, jeans are just like a little too much for me, just like being a slob in my house. But like, I <laughs> also, I also hate, uh, I, I also, I also like, don't like to forego any sort of pants. Like that's just weird. Just like hanging around in in the house in your underwear. And like, so the only choice that I've had is just like wear pajama pants, but you need to have separation between your pajama pants and the rest of your day. Otherwise it just feels like you're just because you are, because you're in your pajamas all day. So I, I, yeah, yeah. I have badly needed these, and uh, and I feel like a new man. Well, that's great. Uh, you talked about commodities being scarce, and I went to the store to get uh, the bare essentials, you know. Um, the bare necessities. The bare necessities, yeah. simple yep. bare necessities. And uh, the chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream in the freezer no. was gone. I know. No, oh man! And, and it was all picked through at the gro- at the local grocery store, and um, the kids were distraught. Okay, so like, what is like the backup option to chocolate chip cookie dough? Is that just is that the only ice cream your kids will eat, or more likely, is it the one that all three of your kids agree on? So that's certainly the one that all three of them agree on. They do like mint chip. That's always a good classic staple. Um, And I went with the backup of cookies and cream because I thought, hey, it's Oreos. It's like cookie dough, kind of, right? Everyone likes Oreos. Right. Uh, Except my four-year-old, apparently. She did not like it. Yeah, I don't know. I was dumbfounded, too. But, um, yeah, no, like, for for me personally, I, I do like... So I like chunks of like chocolate and peanut butter or caramel. Yeah. That's like my favorite. But if that can't happen, like, dude, mint chip is where it's at in my, in my book. For me, I guess, I I think it's fantastic. A lot. Ironically, I, or maybe not so ironically, because I'm not your daughter. Uh, But 
Uh, I really, I, I'm not a huge mint chip person necessarily, mm-hmm. but I love mint Oreo. Holy crap, do I love Ooh, mint Oreo yeah. ice cream? Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. Like, I sort of go, when it comes to Oreos, right, I sort of go along with my wife. She does not like a double stuffed. She likes the original. It's a she lot likes, of stuff. Yeah, she likes the the balance that the original Oreo has. She likes more of the crunch rather than the cream, right? And I'm like, okay, I guess I can deal with regular Oreos if I have to. Like, it's not going to fight that too much. But, you know, even if I, like, suggest, hey, let's try to get double stuff once this time. No, I get shot down like no. you wouldn't believe. You just got to have, like, a stash that you hide. <laughs> like, well, not... I, I do that with Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to, because like the second anybody else in your house knows about a Girl Scout cookie box, they're gone. You, you're never seeing those again. Yeah, you crinkle the uh, the the aluminum foil film that uh, the thin, the Thin Mints comes in or the, the <laughs> tag along slide out. And it's like that scene on Family Guy where. Uh, all of a sudden you adjust the thermostats and all the dads in the neighborhoods are like, Hey, did somebody hit your thermostat? <laughs> uh, so uh, another animated show joke that I wanted to bring up because, uh, cause we mentioned Oreos. One of my favorite Futurama openings. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the opening. Um, Fry is sitting on the couch eating Oreos, but they're individually wrapped. Like the, each of the cookies <laughs> are individually wrapped. Uh, or like each component of the cookie oh, individually no. wrapped. So he opens the bottom part, opens the cream part, and then opens the uh, the top part, puts them together, and then immediately takes them apart and eats them individually. <laughs> he does the spin thing too, doesn't he? To yeah, pull yeah. them apart. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, but I do uh, Oreos with a good class, uh, a ice cold glass of milk. Uh, I don't know what m- more could be better for a dessert thing. Mm, tiramisu. Uh, I suppose. I'm a big fan of tiramisu, but I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I'm talking about like simple. I, I got tiramisu. You, you like you kind of freaking bake. <laughs> yeah, or 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 you're like me and you're just lazy and you just hope that whatever grocery <laughs> store you're at has tiramisu. That is speaking of that is one thing that I noticed at 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 uh, the grocery store is like the grocery aisles might be empty, but that baking aisle, holy crap. Is it full? Oh, you got all your breads, your, your desserts. Apparently people don't want to eat donuts or cookies while they're in quarantine. Uh, And and they don't serve well as bath tissue either. No, they don't. No. Otherwise they'd be gone. (laughs) Not probably not. All right, Tony, we are going to have some fun here on this Friday listener's choice topic. I do want to get into uh, touch on in the next segment, a little bit about the recent signings this week from the, uh, the Minnesota wild that they announced as well as uh, get into a fun little game where we kind of name our, I don't know, Mount Rushmore, I guess you could probably call it of, of players that, I guess means something to you in some form, form or fashion. Maybe there were uh, when you were younger. Maybe they were a player that you liked. You were a big fan of as a kid that helped get you into into the game that made you fall in love with hockey. So uh, have some fun today. Uh, it is uh, Friday, uh, listeners' choice quarantine Friday, whatever you want to call it. And uh, let's uh, let's get into that right after this break. You're listening to Locked On Wild. 
Welcome back to the Listener's Choice Show on Locked On Wild here. It's Joe with your host, Tony. And, uh, Tony, we're going to go through what uh, the, the Minnesota Wild announced today. Or actually, not today, the, earlier this week. Um, while the NHL has paused play, they have done some uh, some signings here as the, uh, the the league year continues to roll on now that uh, college free agents are, are, are able to be signed, as well as uh, other leagues have finished play. So now um, other players that are in the prospect ranks uh, can be signed after their seasons have, have ended. So um, re- uh, recently, and it looked like it was just uh, just today, a goaltender from the St. Peterborough Pete's uh, Hunter Jones was uh, was signed to a professional deal. Yeah, I mean, there's no surprise there. He had a really good season, and, and he was mm-hmm. drafted in the second round last year. So the, the team uh, traded up to get him, too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so the team was pretty invested in them. Uh, usually when, when you're talking, a, it is really shocking to see a team not sign a, mm-hmm. a, a, a a player that they drafted in the first couple of rounds. I, I think the last time, for example, uh, someone wasn't was thrown back in the first round was Connor Bleakley with Colorado. And I, I can't remember who it was before then. So it's it's super rare when you have a player that you invest that much in, you don't get that player signed. Uh, usually like something like really awful has to happen in terms of either their development or injury wise. Um, so it's not a huge surprise to see Hunter Jones, uh, get signed to a contract. Uh, he had a really good season this year and, and, you know, a big athletic toolsy guy. Uh, you, uh, I think the wild, uh, kind of only expect great things from him going forward. Yeah. Another, uh, player that was signed was, uh, Jamie, Damian, yeah, I just combined his first and last name. It's Damian Giroux. Yeah, Damian Giroux is, is one of the guys who you know later pick in. I what what year was it? Was it twenty eighteen? Uh, looks like it was a twenty eighteen fifth round. Yep. So uh, picked later in the draft. That is a guy picked in the range where you know, like it's not. It's it's not anything to, you know, not sign them if they're not giving you the kind of production that that you want. But, you know, he had a he had a heck of a year in Saginaw this year with uh, with 44 goals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's been uh, his development curve. I think it, it might have been a little bit slower than uh, than, you know, a, a pick in the higher rounds would have been. But at the same time, like. You know, good for him for going out there and, and and making himself into a dominant player in the OHL. And, you know, we'll see. Like, a, a lot of times these guys will, you know, be AHL lifers. Sometimes they won't even be that. But you don't know who's mm-hmm. going to shake out until you put them in the system. Correct. And then uh, to round out the wild prospects that were uh, previously drafted by them, um, what is it? He was the WHL leading point getter. Yep. Um, and uh, actually in the wild system, also the leading point getter over Alexander Havanov, he, it is uh, Adam Beckman. Yeah. I mean, Beckman just had an incredible season this year. Uh, you, you mentioned leading the uh, WHL in, uh, I think goals and points um, third round pick this year. And with the way that his stock has raised, like uh, I, I don't know where he would go if he did a redraft, but I'm sure it would not be in the third round. 
Probably. Yeah. His, uh, his season was one to, uh, that was exciting to chronicle. It was seemed like every night he was getting, you know, a, a couple assists or a goal and assist or figuring out ways to, um, get on the score sheet multiple times a night, multiple times a week. And, uh, the year that he had was absolutely, uh, uh, you know, it was crazy. I'm not going to say crazy because we saw other players like Alex Lafreniere, uh, that, uh, went off like crazy. Um, but, um, what Beckman had, I think was more surprising considering, I don't think we really saw it coming. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I know that, uh, I know that Manny Elks, uh, model going into the draft, uh, lights Beckman a lot, but like, he wasn't really like, uh, one of those guys where like, even on prospect lists, you know, that were saying like, Oh, you know, this is, this is the guy, this is going to be the guy, but he went out and he, uh, he, you know, he really put himself on the map. And I think that that means that he's someone that you have to pay attention to. Maybe, maybe he doesn't have the ability to succeed in the NHL, but at the same time, like, you know, development can be weird, right? You know, right. Yeah. You, all of a sudden somebody can just absolutely take off. And, and I, I think we're not going to, uh, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to know what Adam Beckman could do in the NHL for the next several years. So we're, we're, this is, you know, we're just going to have to kind of expect him to succeed in the level that he is at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he did that wildly this year and he's going to have to do that again next year uh, because he can't go to the uh, AHL, for example. Correct. And, after the season that Beckman had, if they didn't figure out a way to get him signed, then he really got to worry. But uh, this is just uh, just the next step. It ultimately means nothing so much in the immediate future, but uh, it means that they they have control over over a uh, a guy who's had a, a lot of success in the league that he's in. So you have to um, give a lot of credit, by the way, to the scouting staff. Yeah, uh, for uh, for Minnesota, and that includes uh, PJ Fenton, who you know. Uh, carries a, a name that uh, that might make him reviled in some circles, <laughs> and of course that bad first impression that he left with the uh, Philip Johansson pick being off the board, um, right? And, which you know, like I'm not going to relitigate right now or anything like that. Like he's there, we'll see how it goes, and, and certainly, uh, you know, there's been enough goodwill built by the uh, the rest of these picks, frankly, mm-hmm. that he's made, including the ones I'm about to go into now, that I'm at. I'm actually willing to wait and see what happens to Philip Johansson. Um, but yeah, he just got traded, by the way, to uh, for Lunda. Yeah, yeah, but let's look at uh, let's look at the 29 draft so far. The first uh, first four picks, Matt Boldy. I mm-hmm. slow start aside. I think you got to say that he was a, a pretty big hit. Yeah. I we talked about him with uh, Nate Wells. He's a player that does a lot of the little things as well as now finding the score sheet and hopefully another year uh, with Boston College under Jerry York and uh, we, we can see the best out of him yet. Vladislav Firstov also we talked about with Nate. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, real good player, real skilled, and uh, and his stock is only rising. Uh, same I think with Hunter Jones. I think there was a lot of uh, divisiveness on mm-hmm. him in the scouting community, or at least from the, uh, the rankings that I read going into the, uh, the draft and seeing, uh, what, uh, they were saying about him after Hunter Jones was picked his stock, I think is raised and Adam Beckman. I think that's, uh, that's a real strong first four picks and will mm-hmm. they pan out? I don't know, but it's a real good start. 
It's a real good start. And then uh, he also signed college free agent from UMass, uh, Mitchell Chaffee. And it's too bad that this broke after our conversation with Nate Wells. But uh, yeah, another right player in his backyard right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's another player from UMass, another player that, uh, um, you know, had a, a, a solid season. And he was, I think he was just under a point per game in his uh, 30 games with uh, UMass this season. But uh, comes off as a senior and um, uh, he gets inked to a, a Minnesota Wild contract. Yeah, uh, 22 years old, point per game in the NCAA over the last couple of years. Uh, about a half goal per game. Uh, so, you know, like, there's there's some production there. I usually like to see even more production with that for me to be like, oh, okay, that sure. guy is, is really got what it takes to, uh, to you know, at least, you know, stick into the NHL in, in like, a, in like some sort of, like, bottom line scoring role. Um, but, you know, like, he has, he, he has some production and, you know, you need org guys too. So even if he doesn't pan out to anything but uh, but an AHL guy, like you need you need those guys in your system as well, and and why not take a flyer on somebody who mm-hmm. was a point per game? And like you mentioned with the uh, the other wild prospects, is that uh, development isn't always linear. It's not. So, so just take a shot. All right, Tony, I want to get your opinion, or, or I want to get your Mount Rushmore on players that uh, have meant something to you, whether uh, current or past, uh, in the next segment. So let's take a break, and we'll come back with uh, that topic on Listener's Choice Friday on Locked on Wild. You're listening to Locked on Wild here on the Locked on Podcast Network. It's Joe and Tony back with you on Listener's Choice Friday. Tony, I got this one uh, from Twitter. um, From uh, I got tagged in one of these viral posts and viral takes a whole new meaning doesn't it considering these times um but one of these uh kind of like chain posts that uh get sent around of like you know tag your favorite players or your top four players that that means something to you uh from our friend gretchen and uh i thought this would be a good little topic to have on this segment here for listeners choice friday uh name four hockey players that have meant something to you in your life uh as a fan and then uh, I'm not going to tag anybody else, but you could play at home, I guess, and, and name and send us in to uh, to our Twitter account at Locked On Wild or our email or our email, just uh, Locked On Wild at gmail.com of your favorite players, and maybe you got a story about them, maybe you don't, maybe you just want to give us a list. That'd be great. But uh, um, I uh, came up with a list of, of four players that uh, have meant something to me in my hockey fandom. Um, through the years. So I think I will start Tony and we'll just kind of trade off back and forth. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. So I'm going to start off uh, as the first player that I would say that I became like a real fan of. Uh, I was younger as kind of where I cut my teeth watching go for hockey as a kid with my dad every weekend. And it was Mike Crowley. Um, it's a defenseman wore number 22 for the maroon and gold. And, uh, I got to tell you, it was him on the blue line. It's where I fell in love with, uh, the, uh, the slap shot from the blue line that beat goaltenders cleanly. I just, the, and I, and if I wasn't ever a goalie, I always wanted to be a defenseman, uh, an offensive defenseman like him. L- let me just tell you this in 42 games in 95, 96, he had 63 points with 17 goals as a defenseman. 
that's uh that's an interesting player to uh to have on your Mount Rushmore just considering like you know like it was uh it's purely a, a U of M pick and, and this was before mm-hmm. uh, my time and before I lived in the states so I don't have these similar uh memories of Mike Crowley but uh yeah I guess kind of a deep cut yeah it uh, is it's speaking of deep cut I mean it is where I cut my teeth watching hockey during this time Minnesota obviously did not have an NHL team. And uh, so the Gopher Hockey was the ticket in town. Um, and uh, the, it was just one of those things where it was like something that my dad and I always watched every Friday and Saturday night. And um, yeah, it just uh, so Mike Crawley was like the first player that I would say actually meant something to me as a, as a young kid. I was uh, probably 10, 11 years old, right at that same time when uh, – uh, actually, probably nine or ten years old, but right around that same time that um, you know sports become uh, a little more important in your life. <laughs> I think that the uh, the first player that I have uh, and the first player that I, I think I became like a fan of when I was a kid is uh, significantly more normie than uh, than yours. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, sure. and that would be Peter Forsberg. There you go. Yeah, Peter Forsberg is a uh, a real real treat to watch or was a real treat to watch uh always hate him against uh against your favorite team but if uh you know i know that there was a lot of people that were fans of uh colorado avalanche in the um in the absence of any nhl team in minnesota and they gravitated towards that team um and especially when they were playing the detroit red wings and 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 going for cups yeah, I mean, just what he could do on the ice, the uh, mm-hmm. the immense amount of skill that he had, uh, that was like, I don't know, maybe, uh, I, I think that was probably the first hockey player that kind of captured my imagination and been like, oh, like, they can do, they can do this on the ice. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and that was, uh, that was probably like the, the one that I attached to more than anyone else. I mean, I think technically Gretzky was still playing at the time, but you know, like, uh, Gretzky wasn't quite Gretzky anymore. Right. Uh, and, and Forsberg was either in his prime smack dab or, or up and coming. Even when uh, when it was later in his career and the Wild were there and I became a, a Wild fan, uh, I was not like I was not somebody who had a lot of hate for uh, for Forsberg against Minnesota. Like it, it was one of those things where I was like, <laughs> well, like because like there there are players that like who are great on other teams that you just absolutely hate. And you right. would just like love to see them like fall and like, like have a have a compound fracture on their bone or something, like you know, on their leg or something, you know, sure. like nothing, nothing fatal, but just like see some bone sticking out. Um, but uh, um, that's maybe a little that's some psycho stuff right there. <laughs> uh, I, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but like there there are players like that on the other team that you just hate and you just harbor yeah, that feeling yeah. towards. And I think there are those who are, it's like, well, they're good. They beat our brains in every time. And at the end of the day, you just kind of got to tip your cap to them. And Peter Forsberg mm-hmm. fell into the latter part for me. Jim Tomey was that kind of player against the twins all the time too. It was like, I don't know if you, you hated him as much as that. You just tip your cap. Like he's just a damn good player. And then he, uh, he became a, uh, a Minnesota and he, guy. And then he joined us. Yeah. Um, my next player is a little less normie and, and I'm going to go back to his university of Minnesota career again. Uh, but because the, they won a, a national championship with him as the, uh, the captain and he also broke 
Mike Crowley's uh, single season record for goals in a season as a golden gopher. I'm going to go with Jordan Leopold. You mean by a defenseman, but yes. By by a defenseman, yeah. Yeah, Jordan Leopold only uh, became one of us uh, late in his career. I mean, I guess always was one of us with the uh, University of Minnesota connection. But uh, what was that like seeing him in a wild uniform when he was in a wild uniform for uh, for half a season? So the story was great of how he got here, obviously. Um, you know, I, the funny thing is, is like I didn't really follow him too much, a whole lot within uh, – his, his NHL career, but it was, it was mostly like the guy was a Hobie Baker award winner. He, um, he was such a, a good offensive defenseman at the university of Minnesota that like, okay. Yeah. When he went to Calgary, it was like, okay, he's, he's in Calgary. Well, good for him. But then I hated the Calgary flames so much that I was like, ah, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, then he went to Colorado and it was like, Oh, I hate the Colorado avalanche too. So, you know, it was, it wasn't so much like I was necessarily following him so much because he was on a bunch of teams that I just either didn't follow or didn't care about like the Buffalo Sabres or the St. Louis blues. Uh, but the, the 18 games here with Minnesota being that it was later in his career, I felt like he felt like an elder statesman, like that veteran, like that guy that just, you brought in to kind of help stabilize so much. And I think what he did with Dumba that year was was key to seeing Dumba really kind of settle down in his in his youth and become more of a smarter player to become what we've seen Matt Dumba become now. Mm. So I know it's 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 not a whole lot of like, oh my god, this is the most important player, but No, it's um, all good. He but it was to you. But it was the that national championship team, and he was just such a a big proponent of that team. Yeah, no, no, that that that's cool. Like he meant something to you, and obviously, like uh, you are are way more into college hockey than I am. Uh, and yeah, like uh, it's not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not judging your pick if that's what you're worried about. Yeah, it's fine. All right. Uh, so my next guy is uh, is uh, Jumbo Joe Thornton. Yeah, just he's a good been- player been a guy that like i've always uh i've always liked a lot um when he got uh like i I was paying attention to hockey pretty closely when he got traded and and absolutely took off in san jose and like being a a a bit of a younger fan at the time like i'm not i'm not going to tell you that uh, that i wasn't immune to uh a team with a cool logo with a shark chomping a hockey stick so Joe Thornton <laughs> goes to a, a, a cool team with a with a cool name and a cool logo and starts just like wailing on the league basically yeah. uh, no pun intended but uh just absolutely destroying the league becomes an MVP and then you know people kind of dogged him at, uh on his way out of Boston people kind of dog him up to this day for for not winning a championship but uh I, I guess this might be part of like my contrarian brain kicking in just being like, Oh, you guys are saying that he's trash. Cause he's never won a championship. What a bunch of trash you guys are because Joe Thornton, that's my guy. I love him so much. And you know, he, um, he, uh, he seems to be like, uh, like, I don't know. Everything about him is really cool. I like his yeah. beard. Yeah. <laughs> his beard's I, badass. The, uh, the, the rooster trick thing is an all time hockey Twitter. <laughs> when he, uh, when he said, uh, when he said that, uh, 
if he scored four goals in a game, he would uh, he would uh, he would take out his his rooster. And uh, <laughs> and every time he scores multiple goals in a game, you got you got to watch and go like, oh, is it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I just uh, I like Joe Thornton a lot. I, I, he's he's always going to be a favorite player of mine. Oh yeah, he's a guy that you can absolutely respect from afar. All right, my next player was my first uh, NHL player that I really became a fan of, and it was Eric Lindros. Real good pick. Uh, yeah, 115 points in 95-96. Just stupid good. I like a uh, 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 video game cheat code. And, oh yeah, uh, and it was definitely that in the video games that I played where Eric Lindros was in. Yep, yep. It was. Uh, it seemed like it was either Stevie Y or Eric Lindros in those games. In those in those like mid 90s NHL games. I mean, and, even today, like a lot of players that you can think of uh, before, right? Um, you know, if you plop them into the league today, like would Bobby Orr be just this phenomenal defenseman that he would probably still be good? Like, don't get me wrong, but like, oh yeah, would he be like a what? 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 What did he score? Fifty goals as a defenseman? Uh, definitely forty multiple times. Would he? Would he be that yeah. guy today? No, no, he would not. Even Wayne Gretzky, like. How would Wayne Gretzky translate to today's game? But you look at Eric. That's Lindros. why. That's why Ovechkin, like his scoring streak that he's on, is probably more impressive than what Gretzky did. I would agree with that one hundred percent. So you have Eric Lindros, who is impossibly big. He was six four two forty, dude. Yeah, <laughs> impossibly big, impossibly skilled, and like really fast for a big guy. Like that guy would be dominant in the NHL today, and you can't really say that that much about uh, about guys who came up in like the eighties and nineties. Yeah, stupid good, and uh, what could have been had he not had dealt with uh, so many concussions throughout his years too. I mean, that really is the uh, the big like one of the big what ifs in, in the sports history, just like what mm-hmm. if this guy played a full career? What does that look like? Yeah. Uh, but he was, I liked the orange and the, and the Philly P and the logo and everything. It's a uh, good and, logo. It's a and, real good logo. And for a, um, a, a young kid that uh, didn't have an NHL team, it was just kind of like, uh, I like that. And I like the 88 and I like, you know, the, 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 the black and the orange and how edgy it looked. And the, I don't know. It just it, it was a lot of just the luck, but Lindros was also just a stud. All right, this is uh this is a maybe an off the board one. It might not be a surprise that like you know this in, in terms of like this good player, but I uh, I think like the the way that uh, that I came to being like oh yes I love this guy, uh is uh is maybe a bit interesting or or at least like off the beaten path, and that would be uh, Ron Francis. Really? Okay. Yeah, so, like, I, I, I didn't really have, like, Ron Francis in, in my mind, you know, uh, coming up as, as, a, as a hockey fan or anything like that. And, like, even, you know, even when I started paying attention, you know, really seriously, like, Ron Francis wasn't a guy on my radar. But when I was in college, my freshman year, playing <laughs> mad hours of NHL <laughs> hits 2003, uh, yeah. Ron Francis was still in the league. 
And he was uh, he was on Carolina's team, and I loved playing as Carolina, partly yeah. because Ron Francis was so good. Now, he was, I think his speed was a 77, which is glacial in <laughs> NHL hits. It's really slow. It's like one of the slower skilled players there. Um, but he had like a 98 shot and a 97 pass uh, rating. Uh, so mm-hmm. it, it's actually it, it was actually really fun to play as Ron Francis because like you could, given that he was slower than anyone on the ice, like it, it's a real frenetic pace and hits like it, it's arcade, it's it's fast. So like you could like you could be skating at full speed and still like you know be able to to set up plays pretty patiently with Francis and, and uh, yeah yeah and uh, and when you got him on the one timer, uh, it was everything and it it has been. <laughs> I, I can't remember if I got my friend Danny to destroy a controller because I, I beat him so badly <laughs> playing as Ron Francis, but I bet you I got close many times. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, it's funny how the video games and uh, and how those players like played in them um, really kind of affected some of our opinions of them as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like, why why wouldn't they? Like, you, you know, if you, like... If you have like a, a favorite Super Smash Brothers character or a favorite Mario Kart character, mm-hmm. you know, like you're gonna like those play or those characters more, even if you didn't play their games. And and Ron right. Francis was the same way. Like I got to play him in the game. He's like my video game character, and uh, and uh, yeah, I got to uh, I uh, I didn't watch his games, but I still love Ron Francis. I'm going to go with a player that I think we all know, but my reasoning is probably a little less um, apparent. So I'll have to explain myself for my next one, for my last one. And that's going to be Nino Niederreiter. Yeah. And and I, I wanted to pick a player that was probably more recent. One, because I probably haven't felt nearly as much emotion for many of the other players um, than when he was traded. <laughs> uh, but the, the big one, the big reason why it was because like, for a long time when we wrote for hockey wilderness, we spent a lot of time breaking down his play, trying to talk him up, trying to say like, look, this guy is a really good player. He needs more minutes. He needs to get up there. We spent a lot of time breaking down his play and appreciating what he does, whether it's making other players on the the third line better, or if he's uh, finally being featured on the first line, which happened rarely, but um it was just one of those players like he just always seemed to do the little things. One of the few players that I really just like could um, appreciate just that the little stuff and just like the time that we dedicated to try to uh, kill the narrative that surrounded him as well. So uh, I would say that that one's probably more of like uh, the the time and ink that we've in the blood, sweat and tears that we've uh, we spent on on trying to get Nino Niederreiter some more prominence with uh, with Minnesota Wild. Um than maybe like exactly what he did on the ice. But uh, yeah, I w- I'm going to go with Nino Niederreiter. Uh, so and my, he's a super good guy. Yeah. My, my, uh, my last one is for, uh, for pretty similar reasons. Uh, I, uh, I'm going to say Matt Dumba. And the reason why was because when I first started uh, writing about hockey and writing about the Minnesota wild, like uh, it was around the 2012 NHL draft. And that was uh, that was the year that Matt Dumba was picked, and Minnesota had like I think it was number seven overall in that draft. And uh, you know when I was when I was looking at these scouting reports, like oh who could Minnesota get now? Who could Minnesota get? Uh, the one that stood out to me was 
this uh uh this uh this defenseman who had a huge slap shot who hit real hard and I was just in love with the idea of having that skill set on the wild. Remember, like this is 2012. This is before uh this is was this before Suter and uh Suter yeah. and Parise? It might have been a little it yeah, was, it would have been, it they, been they, they signed that summer right after that draft. Okay, so it was like right in the, the lead up to that. And if you remember anything about those wild teams, they're like uh, people people talked about the lack of uh, of uh, scoring forwards. Then uh, their defenses were awful. There, they, that was like mm-hmm. that's honestly some of the worst blue lines that that you've ever seen assembled onto one team. Just absolute garbage. No no offense to the you know the, obviously like the players tried hard. It, well, sure. Uh, yeah, but, who did they have before that? Like Martin Skula? Uh oh man, Merrick Zidlicky yeah. was like their best guy. Uh, Mark Andre Bergeron, Jared Spurgeon in his infancy might have been breaking <laughs> up around there. Um, and, and like even then, I I don't know if uh, if he was actually like uh, in the NHL at that point. But like, yeah, it was real bad. So I was just like drooling over over Minnesota getting a, a defenseman that could that could maybe uh that could maybe, you know, do that stuff in the NHL. And then, you know, like I, I followed him for his entire career. Like he came up and he did do that stuff and um, you know, there was a, there was a lot of uh there was a lot of naysayers and I was like always kinda holding firm, like, ah, you just gotta you just like this is gonna happen. Just wait. And it did, and I, I, I think I kind of like. I mean, maybe not a lot of pride. I, I had, I had nothing to do with his development or anything like that. Like, and I'm not gonna pretend like I did or anything. But like, you know, you get a, you get attached to you know guys that you kind of <laughs> plant your flag on, and uh, that, that was the case. That was definitely the case with, uh, with Dumba for me. Well, like you can do with Kevin Fiala, you can do with Matt Dumba. Stick those thumbs under your armpits and flutter your fingers because you were right the whole time, Tony. That's right. I'm a champion. <laughs> All right. Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and my very right takes at <laughs> oh, hi, Tony. You can follow my work, which is also very right all the time at The Athletic Minnesota. All right, and you can find my work on zonecoverage.com and follow me personally on Twitter at JoeBoo15. That's J-O-E-B-O-U-1-5. That's going to do it for today's show. We hope you liked today's show. If you did, please hit the subscribe button so your device sends it to you every time there's a new episode. Also, leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. We enjoy those five-star ratings. We enjoy any of those reviews. We do like to read those. Also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter. Just look us up at Locked on Wild. You can get in touch with us via email, like we said. Send in your Mount Rushmore of uh, players like we just went rattled off. Yeah, if you do, uh, we'll read them off. Yeah, we'll read them off. Send them to the email. Just go to LockedOnWild at gmail.com. All right. Thank you for listening to Locked on Wild. And be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday to stay on top of everything revolving around your Minnesota Wild every day.